GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. Celebrating the unique strengths and talents of people who are neurodivergent, we talk diversity and neurodiversity with Nicole Buckley of Possibilities. We talk Bayside Art, over 160 pieces on display at the Fine Arts Gallery by almost 60 students, some great pieces by GCSE and A-level students. We hear from teacher and artist Carl Alja and A-level students Mia Camigeri and Julia Giorgio. And the Convent Christmas Fair is happening on Thursday. Gibraltar today will be live from there between 1 and 2 on Thursday. The fair itself runs from 12 until 6pm. We get the details from Ellery Surrey. But before we start, we're going to take a moment to pay tribute to a friend and colleague who has passed away. Photographer Grace Torres has died aged 75 after a short illness. Grace documented life in Gibraltar for the Panorama newspaper for about 25 years. Her pictures helped us to see and understand events, such as elections, royal visits and the COVID-19 epidemic, but also countless smaller community events. Her pictures will continue to help us better understand the journey that we are on together here in Gibraltar. Grace was hard-working, kind and humble. During her recent illness, she drew strength from her religious beliefs and also gave back to the cancer charities who helped her. A former Miss Gibraltar, she often appeared in front of the camera in her earlier years, doing so again as recently as September, when she was a part of the jukebox band Family and Friends in a musical tribute to her brother, the musician Philip Valverde, at the National Day Rock Concert. She was very much a matriarch figure in an extended family that spent a lot of quality time together. Panorama editor Lorraine Baldaguino said Grace was an extraordinary person and a committed professional who was always there when called upon. To her colleagues at work, she was a kind and warm friend who will be deeply missed. Veteran of the Gibraltar Press Corps, Johnny Bujeja, said everyone working in the media locally wants to thank Grace for having been such an amazing colleague and friend. The Gibraltar Chronicle photographer said Grace had been part of the press team for as long as we can remember and is really going to be missed. The government press office said that Grace was a much-loved friend and colleague. They said they will always remember her for her kindness and warmth and her unique way of sharing her positivity and good humour with all around her. Their thoughts and deepest sympathies are with Anselmo, her husband, and with the extended family. They say Grace will be sorely missed. Words echoed by the Chief Minister and Deputy Chief Minister jointly. They said Grace was a person of goodness and calm, who will be dearly missed by those who had the privilege of knowing her. They send their condolences to Grace's husband Anselmo, their family, friends and colleagues at this difficult time. Grace is, of course, survived by her husband Anselmo, himself also a panorama photographer. They spent countless hours together, such a beautiful and active couple. Posting on Instagram, Anselmo said it was with a very heavy heart that he had to say that his soulmate, 
had passed away. The couple inspired their son Donovan to pursue a similar path and Donovan continues to capture life in Gibraltar with his camera for GBC. So this one is close to our hearts. Our sincere condolences go to him and the whole family. Now, a diversity in disability campaign sees a number of events this week celebrating the strengths and talents of people who are neurodivergent. It's organised by the special educational needs charity Possibilities and we're joined in the studio by Nicole Buckley. Awareness should be an everyday mission for our community and not just particularly to a week in itself. Um, But we are doing this and hosting this in the run-up to International Day of Persons with Disabilities, which is on Sunday, the 3rd of December. The importance of such a week um, brings about, or highlights rather, first and foremost, inclusion and integration in our society, which is paramount to celebrate um, diverse neurotypes. Um, So that underlines the pinpoint of of our campaign. Um, What does it bring about? As I said, inclusion and integration. It brings about um, social cohesion as well, and it breaks down those social barriers that sometimes neurodivergent individuals may face. Um, Again, when we we talk about neurodivergent individuals, we're talking about people, um, we're talking about what, autism, ADHD, dyslexia? People of different neurotypes, yeah, so people of different neurotypes and people may recognise the word more so as maybe a hidden disability and we'd like to highlight more so that neurodivergence is a hidden disability rather of the brain. So it's just, as I said before, different neurotypes. But yes, autism, ADHD, sensory processing disorder, um, dyslexia even. So just that type of, of disability. Okay, and uh, and there are lots of people living in our community who, who fit that bill. Yes, absolutely. I mean, um, it's a very, very large percentage and it's actually the larger percentile of people who are diagnosed with a disability in our community. So the so majority of disabilities are hidden disabilities, you mean? Neurodivergence, neurodivergence. Right, yes. right. Yeah, because okay. obviously hidden disabilities can then obviously be a physical hidden disability Encompass as well. something else. That's right. And, and, and an example of a hidden physical disability would be could be a person who uses a stoma bag, for example. Sure. Um, but that individual that does not make them neurodivergent because they have a physical hidden disability. Okay, and um, we were having a chat before we started um, earlier today, and and um, and you made the point that accessibility goes a lot deeper than. Physical physical uh, accessibility. So when we think of accessibility, for example, in a physical space, uh, we might think of uh, making sure that there is wheelchair access. But it goes further than that. In, In what ways? In many ways, um, because again, we find that in our line of work, as you rightly said, we will ask people in our community. So is your premises, is your organisation accessible? And the first thing they will say to you is, yes, we have a ramp. But the ramp just touches upon the tip of the iceberg of accessibility. Yeah, Do you have, or does your building rather conform to universal de- design? What is universal design? So universal design means when a building is made accessible to all, with one. So basically if you have a lift, if you have a person who is, shall we say, neurotypical, physically abled, paired with a person who may have faced other challenges like neuro challenges or physical challenges, it's one lift button that we can all use. It's one phone that we can all use. Even when we look at vending machines, it's one vending machine that we can all use. Why should there be a 
disabled access and why should there be a physically abled access? Why can't we just have one access point? And that, I think, is where we bring about not just, again, where we always speak about the equality, but the equity as well, because we reach the same targets together. So that's what the Universal Design Plan follows, is that it makes buildings accessible to all on an equitable platform. And for anybody who's perhaps um, thinking of renovations or is perhaps designing a building from scratch, where can they find uh, this guide? The guide is, is accessible to all online. But remember, if you speak to any local architect now, if you speak to town planning, if you speak to any department now who's involved in these renovations or works you may be doing, they will be privy to this information. They will be privy um, to the this information. This is not going to be news to them. They're, they're familiar with this. Not and, at all. And, and our, our new buildings conform. So that or should yeah, conform, but, uh, of course, yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, I understand that there's different policy and procedure around, shall we say, heritage buildings, but that's not something yeah, for me to delve it's into. A difficult one, isn't um, it? But how, insofar as new builds, absolutely, all buildings should be conforming to the Universal Design Plan. Okay, um, tell us a little bit. We were discussing Festival of Lights uh, earlier on, um, being extremely busy. Uh, what was it like for? Um, people who are neurodivergent, who have hidden disabilities, would you say? I mean, I think Gibraltar in itself has come a long way in terms of awareness and acceptance of hidden disabilities and neurodivergence. Insofar as the feedback we've got from the Festival of Lights, um, the general and the majority of people who attended, who are members of ours, for example, have expressed that there have been a lot of steps forward. There's been a lot of progress. Absolutely, we can all, again, work together to cover the areas that may need you know, more improvement and stuff going forward. And I think it's just a matter of moving forward with those requirements that people find, you know. And I think that that is the most important thing here, is that we need to listen to the voices of the neurodivergent individuals. We need to listen to the voices of the neurodiverse community to be able to effectively enact that progress. Um, because it's no good with neurotypical people making decisions and saying, oh, yeah, we think this, we're going to do this, without listening to those voices, without listening to the communication of those and saying, this is what's important to us and important to me. And then we move forward together. And I think that now we are finding that's happening in the community as a whole, that we're all listening to those voices together and we're putting the, that progress together. So I think um, the majority of individuals, yeah, they, they, they spoke well of the Festival of Lights. They really enjoyed it. Um, I'm fully aware that the government put into place things like um, sensory processing adaptations. They put in forewarnings of loud bangs. So it was very, very good um, as, as far as I've been informed. OK, um, before we let you go, Nicole, just very quickly, you're working with bus drivers this week. Yep. You'll have um, a fair amount of imagery that people will see as your campaign um, picks up and and you're also doing some talks in schools. Can I have just a, a quick line on each of those? Absolutely. So we're giving awareness training to bus drivers in disability etiquette. We're getting some imagery out, so just some impactful images to keep that awareness and acceptance very fresh. We're getting into schools to bring integration and inclusion in amongst the younger generations as well. And we're just running some community campaigns. So, yeah. And if somebody's looking ahead uh, to this current weekend, planning their Saturday and Sunday, you'll be at Casemates on both days, a fun day as from 10 on Saturday yep. and a fun run as from 10 as well. A fun uh, run and walk. And <laughs> Anyone walk. can come down. <laughs> five kilometre run, three kilometre walk. That's right, yeah. Um, with a, a festive feel and fun guaranteed for children. No? Yep. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. The future of art and culture 
Bayside students are currently exhibiting their paintings and sculptures at the Fine Arts Gallery. Almost 60 students from both GCSE and A-level are included or are, you know, have contributed uh, approximately 160 works which are on display there. Uh, and it's a pleasure to be joined by uh, one of their teachers, Carl Alger, in the studio, who's here with a couple of uh, these students. Uh, so we have um, Mia Kamijeri and Julia Georgiou with us. How is it to have your work uh, exhibited and prompting conversations? Must be amazing. Well, it's really exciting, obviously, because we work really hard um, throughout the whole year. So it's really like rewarding that we get to show everyone what we do. And it's also good for exposure, so, it's like, so people can see that, obviously, the youth of Gibraltar are really talented and we're really hardworking. I, I've no doubt. I haven't been in person, but I've seen pictures of your pictures and works. And, uh, and they look really impressive um, and, and very obviously something that, you know, as you say, you've, that there's talent and there's also a lot of hard work because um, I, I don't think, regardless of how talented somebody is, that they just sort of magic up a piece of work. It, it takes hours and hours. No? Um, what's it like then to, to sort of, um, you know, ha- ha- have those pieces there uh, being discussed by people? Does it, does it make that work more real? Does it make, it make you think about all the hours that you've put into it? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's really rewarding, like she said, um, to have your work up there. And obviously, like for me, my family, they all went to see the pieces and it was it was quite emotional for me because I had, you know, I, I did portraits of my grandmother. Oh. So a lot of my family went to go see it. And yeah, it was just a really great experience to sort of introduce my work to my family and, you know, and everyone. Yeah. What sort of style did you, is, is yours? Um, so I went for a Klimt style um yeah <laughs> and i basically i focused on family relationships between women and i sort of focused on the three ages of women by klimt and i just did different generations of women through motherhood and i mean me with my grandmother as a baby just you know sort of exploring that i mean very um personal to you but yeah. very meaningful for us to think about those relationships and um let, let's bring in uh carl alger um you've spearheaded the the exhibition um carl uh, you know sort of what what does it mean for you to see uh young artists displaying their their work and talking about their work so so uh, confidently <clears throat> yeah no it's it's very proud to see all of them um, and all from different age groups um to be honest um i mean uh, the idea originally was stemmed from straight after lockdown um, actually, when we said um, we were seeing all the work that was coming in after the, the first year, completing the first year um, back in school. And um, there was so much quality work that we said, well, let's just, you know, do a, a year 13 exhibition, which we've done many times before. Um, and then we said, well, why not join in the, the year 12s as well? Um, and then when that last, this September, when we came back to school and we saw the fantastic works that our current year 11 cohort had produced, we said, look, so that's GCSE, just, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we said, let's just do the whole shebang, you know, let's do all of them. Um, 167 works, so it's, you know, one of the biggest of student work in, in over two volts. Um, and what's, what's really interesting is that, you know, obviously we had, like Julia mentioned, um, a lot of family members there. Um, and and friends of 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 Bayside, like ex teachers, etc. But what's been really interesting, I mean, there's been a couple of times, like you know, we had Minister Santos um, come outside the exhibition because he wasn't able to make the opening opening another event. Um, and we've seen loads of people actually coming in from the public um, 
not only asking but also wanting to to buy some pieces um which we've already sold to a free um so i think that that's something really positive as well that's amazing um, so who, who sells those paintings bayside or the students um well the, the students will be getting a, a large percentage of it and the gallery obviously gets their, their half as well sure so it's 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 all you know really positive because it's got sort of the full circle it's not only you're displaying the work but obviously they're getting something um it might be, for might it, be the know. first. I mean, let me let me ask you both, Julia and Mia. I mean, is 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 art something that you're considering trying to make a career of? Um, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I know Mia. I want to do fashion. Kind yeah. Of. <laughs> um, at first, I wanted to do art, but then I realized that I wanted to go down the route of fashion. So I'm planning on going to study fashion communication. Hopefully, next September. Um, just because I've I really resonate with fashion and my whole life I've been surrounded by sure. it. I've always loved it. So I suppose there are the, well, my pieces are yeah. Instead of painting, I took more of a tactile approach, so more like sewing, quilting, rug making. I, I mean, there is obvious crossover there. No, I yeah. mean you you need that artistic background, no, I suppose, to or, or yeah. to help you with with sort of anything fashion related. Um, I, 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 I was just thinking that um, for for people who are uh, young people who are fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, um, on the one hand the sort of lack of uh, or their young age means that they might lack the experience of an older artist but that is um, I suppose brings both um, you know some uh, weaknesses if you like or disadvantages maybe but also freshness no? well I mean in relation to what you're saying there Jonathan um, one thing that we've always instilled and this is something since you know since I started teaching and I think it was instilled when I was there as well from the teachers that taught me um, and we've always tried to carry that on is the, the family um atmosphere the family orientation with within the department so for example you'll get you know um some of your 12 the f-13s working in the in the art department you know either helping or or at the same time working alongside other gcc year 10 or year 11 students or even younger even um and this is something that that in the exhibition you, you you're able to see because some of the younger ones would comment on the work by julia by mia you know and and aspire to you know, this person is not someone, you know, that has already been in, 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 in the art world for 10 years. It's someone in the same school, in the same department as sure. me, and only a year older or two than me. A couple know? of years further down exactly, the exactly. art journeys. They, they, can, they can aspire to that. And there's actually the other side to the coin, that some of them as well, from the year 2013, have looked down at some of the work at the year 11 and said, oh my God, this is so, so good. You know, so it, it, it sort of like a, it works on a positive in all aspects. How do you come to have um, your own style or how do you think of your own style and, and sort of nurturing that? Because obviously everybody takes um, influences, looks at things that they like, but then the idea is that you try and give something authentic to, to your work that eventually people would recognise as being yours, no? How, how do you nurture that? Well, for me, like, artists like, for example, Grayson Perry, he's very colourful, very, like, he makes tapestries. I like basket as well like very colorful so that's i think my work is very colorful it's very like experimental lots of different mediums are being used so i think that's what would characterize my work okay and yourself um i think that it comes very natural sort of like you know your style and, and for me i think i've always focused on portraiture and i've always just like climped and admired his work so i think it just came naturally for me to do portraiture so you want to be you you want to look at Klimt, but you don't want to yours is yours no it's yeah, a bit it's, different yeah it's more no? inspired and not copied sort of yeah 
Yeah, uh, and um, and Carl, when you're talking to to young artists, I mean, I'm, I'm sure um, a, a lot of them will at some point doubt themselves and and not sh- not be sure what direction they should pursue, whether they have a unique voice. How how do you sort of get over those sort of moments of doubt? Um, two things. First of all, is that you know being creative is is something very very difficult to teach it's more guide than anything else um you can teach someone to to get better at painting and drawing and all that and and it, obviously there needs to be a, a flair of some sort but but it's more sort of uh, you can improve you know and a skill but creativity needs to be encouraged and i think that's the key here um is not to be scared to make a mistake you know um i mean with Judith's class we're currently doing something that involves you know very much thinking out of the box it's not a stereotypical um sculpture it's not a stereotypical um painting um so the way the output that that individual will create that artwork that they they're, they're going to produce in that class each of them is going to be completely different to each other whereas with Mia now at the moment she's doing her personal investigation which is basically 60% of her final a level course grade and um and that is literally as the title says personal investigation so it's she's i mean she's mentioned grayson perry and this is one of the ones that she's looking at but she's she's very tactically chosen artists that um like you said before it's not copy it's very much an individual work an individual piece so what what mia's looking at is people that perhaps she can resonate to and um and then take it home morph a uh, little bit and evolve yeah, ex- exactly and she has and she has i mean uh, we started this back in june and the work that she's producing now is absolutely beautiful you know uh, and very very thought provoking as well that's so cool um well for somebody who hasn't been down there what, what why should we go down to the fine arts gallery to take to check out this um, body of works well i think all the like pupils who've participated deserve to be appreciated instead of because obviously we have all our work in the art room so i think now that everyone has the chance to see it they should definitely go down and have a look and you never know maybe you see something you really like and you might right. want for yourself <laughs> yeah and we can support support support, support a young a young artist um and yourself julia um yeah i mean i definitely think it's important to you know display I mean, we've worked really really hard on all the stuff that's there and it's important it's i mean it's interesting to sort of see like young people you know represent their art and stuff mm. and and for somebody who's even younger than you and maybe at GCC thinking of maybe doing a level art what what advice would you have for them um i would definitely say cuz i wasn't really sure if i was going to pick it but i just thought for me if i wouldn't have chosen it i don't think i would have been able to have another subject where i have to look at a book it's nice to sort of have a subject where you can express yourself and you can take a more creative approach Gibraltar today with Jonathan Scott Looking ahead to Thursday, Gibraltar today will be live from the convent and that's because, of course, that'll play host to the Christmas Fair. Um, We're looking forward to speaking to some of the people who make it all possible and one of them is the chair of the Convent Christmas Fair Committee. Good afternoon to Ellery Surrey. Can you tell us a little bit about what you have planned for Thursday's Christmas Fair? Right, well, we've got 32 stalls. Um, about half and half charities and commercial. Um, and harking back to your previous interview, Possibilities has a stand there as well. So it's it's nice to make the link. Um, loads of charities, some of our favourite ones, some of our less well-known ones as well, which is nice. But soon to be equally loved. And obviously all are equally loved. Absolutely. Um, 
the three charities that are benefiting as beneficiaries this year. There's Father Charlie's Kitchen at St. Teresa's, which does amazing work on a daily basis, year-round. That's a soup kitchen, really. Uh, The soup kitchen, absolutely. The St. Vincent de Paul Society, who have done a terrific amount, especially during lockdown, assisting people with vouchers for shopping and and, and such like. And the work goes on because the cost-of-living crisis is hitting absolutely everybody. So they are doing very sterling work. And a fairly new one to us is the um, Visually Impaired Society, the Gibraltar Society for the Visually Impaired. That's quite a new one for us to be dealing with, but we're delighted to to be able to give them a bit of a bit of an oomph, some publicity and cash, of course. Brilliant. So it's going to be a busy day. Uh, We've I can imagine. got uh the Red Cross will be make will be selling mince pies mm. and um mulled wine. Lovely. We've got this year again, Basadoni Motors have donated a motorbike that we're raffling, so there'll be raffle tickets. And that helps to raise money for uh, those charities. Yes, absolutely. And uh, many of the traders here on Main Street have donated items to a smaller raffle that's run on the day. Um, and uh, St Anne's Middle School Choir will be singing at 5.30 in the cloister. Oh, how lovely. Weather permitting. So we, but hopefully we'll be. We've had some lovely weather. Fingers crossed it continues. Oh, uh, not this hot actually. To be (laughs) honest with you, not this hot because if you're dashing around doing stuff, hot November weather. Hot (laughs) November weather. You know, you don't know what to wear, do you? From one day to the next, it is a bit like that. But 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 perfect for sort of you know uh, making sure people having having a exactly and having a lovely mince pie while enjoying beautiful choir singing. Yes, yes, and we've got lovely stands from people like uh, Can. Relief, uh, possibilities, um, the hearing impaired people as well. Uh, oh, good heavens, I, I've gone blank. There's there are of, so many of them. Yeah, so there's lots of, of lovely arts and crafts stalls which always provide uh, interesting um, sort of Christmas present ideas. Yes, hmm? stocking present ideas. And one stand we do have this year is the day centre from Waterport. I pass oh, there lovely. walking my dog most days and I see them busily there producing stuff for their for their stand. For young the, at heart creatives. Young at heart creatives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and we have the photo booth this year again. Maz's photo booth is there again this year. That's great fun. It's lovely to see the children dressing up for their photographs. <laughs> I love that. And It sounds like you, re- you get quite a lot out of it. It must be hard work but you also oh, enjoy it. No? So rewarding. So rewarding, and you meet just lovely people. And, of course, one of the most important things of the day, we've had the phone call. Father Christmas will be there from no. 2 o'clock. He will. His grotto will be set up wow. there. So, the Father Christmas. Tell, tell Grandma when she picks you up from school. To take you to the convent Christmas fair on Thursday, as Chil- soon after school as possible. Yeah. Children under 12 are admitted free, so only granny has to pay. And it's so only it two pounds, it isn't it? Yeah. To get in? Two pounds, only two pounds to go in. So, but we allow children under 12 because, let's face it, they don't want to go paying twice to see We don't want them difference. working to have to... No. Uh, you know, earn money to no. get in. No. no. All right. Well, that sounds so much fun. And um, and we're going to be there. We can't wait to, to broadcast this show live from there between one and two on Thursday. What can we expect 
Ooh. in terms of atmosphere and ambiente? Well, the, the convent is beautifully decorated for Christmas, as it always is. Uh, all the stands will have been decorated by the stall holders, so we'll have tinsel and red and white and red and green colours everywhere. It'll be very atmospheric. Uh, I believe we're having some... Piped music. I don't know whether it's piped or live this year, to be honest with you. It depends what we can, we've been able master. to master. Um, but it's a lovely one. And virtually everybody walking through the door is greeted by the governor at the door. <laughs> when they come in, what better? Yeah. What better? The He's king's representative in Gibraltar. And he always welcomes everybody into his home. So, and it makes it and very the special. the gardens are gorgeous, aren't they? Oh, I love the gardens. I must admit, I do love the gardens. So it's a, a real sanctuary. Um, Ellery, thank you so much. That's uh, really whet the appetite. So it all uh, starts at what time on 12 Thursday? 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock on, on Thursday until 6.30. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar Today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.